0: what if i told you you've been lied to what if i told you that self-care is not what it seems it's not large dramatic acts but instead small overly simplified actions to improve your life a little bit at a time let's talk about it hey there and welcome back to another episode of feel your feelings with me Ethan Jewell. This is a podcast I started all about mental health and mental health awareness. Now, I'm not a doctor, a therapist, or a professional in the mental health industry whatsoever. I'm just a guy who is very passionate about mental health and wants to start the conversation. However, today I am joined by a professional. I'm joined by Dr. Jen Hartman, a licensed psychologist in Texas who has been practicing for over 25 years. She received her doctorate at the University of Cincinnati and ever since has been pursuing helping people make a positive change in their mental health. She is passionate about guiding others towards a deep sense of whole person well being, and luckily for us, has a lot to say on the topic of self care. So, thank you so much for tuning in. And as always, let's feel some feelings. Dr. Hartman, thank you so much for joining me.
1: Thank you so much, Ethan. It's an honor to be here and I'm really excited to get going on our conversation.
0: It really means a lot having you on this podcast. As somebody with no professional experience in the mental health industry, it can get a little bit scary and overwhelming to talk about these topics. So it means a lot to have your professional perspective on this topic of self-care. And self-care is something that I have always been very passionate about. I've been very into. I remember when I first got onto the internet and I got Instagram, I used to look up self-care routines all the time and try to follow them. However, I quickly realized a lot of these self-care routines seem very unrealistic for somebody struggling with mental health. They're very large, explosive actions, self-care days, going to the gym, binging Netflix. It's all very grand and seems to require a lot of motivation. Do you think that these routines are a realistic place for somebody to start with their self-care? Or do you think there's a better route for people to go down?
1: Well, first of all, Ethan, thank you so much for inviting me to join you today. I'm really, really excited to be here and I'm really, really excited about your podcast. I think it's a great thing. And thank you for putting a really positive spotlight on mental health. So I am kind of annoying in how much I talk about self-care. I talk (laughs) about it a lot. I'm really, really passionate about it. So you have started off with one of my favorite topics. Perfect. First of all, on social media, I'm all for people posting about self-care and offering some of their strategies and things like that. But one thing I like to talk about is that self-care has to be realistic. Mm -hmm. So it has to work with who you are and what your life is all about. I also think self-care needs to be personalized. So what you find relaxing, restorative and rewarding, Ethan, might be totally different from what I find relaxing, Mm -hmm. restorative and rewarding. So we need to kind of play to who we are and again, what our life is all about. I also talk about how self-care can happen at a macro level. And so this is the big stuff. This is thinking about like, oh, how can I tailor my work hours so that I'm more effective or have more time to take good care of myself? How can I manage my class schedule in the same way? Let me develop a regular meditation practice. Let me go to a big spa day or have a retreat. Let me engage in regular psychotherapy. Those are all kind of macro level big things. And sometimes those cost money. Self-care can also happen at a micro level. So for example, doing a 90 second breath practice before you hop on your next work call. You could eat your meals mindfully, like have a mindful breakfast, especially before a big presentation, like get grounded and centered by eating a mindful meal. You could recite a centering prayer when you're feeling anxious about an upcoming social event. So there's like big ways you can practice self-care, but there's also like a lot of little, small, informal ways you can practice self-care. And those are some of my favorites. And those aren't all that exciting to post about on Instagram (laughs) or TikTok or things like that, right? So they don't maybe get as much airplane play but also equally important and they don't have to cost a lot of money either
0: and they're definitely less overwhelming that's one big thing that i kind of have a problem with a lot of the self care rhetoric that is pushed is for somebody struggling with depression or a mental illness that is very debilitating it can be hard to even think about going to these macro acts of self care like you call them i love that example of macro and micro i know when i was struggling a lot with depression That was what I was saying. I saw everybody telling me I had to go to the gym and I had to go on walks. I needed to get my diet right. And it was overwhelming. I never wanted to start
1: because
0: Mm -hmm. it was such a daunting thing to start.
1: Right. And if you're struggling with depression or panic attacks or a chronic trauma response or something like that, that motivation is tough to come by, right? And so something... I talk about quite a bit is if you want to make some changes, that's great. And let's support you in doing that. But maybe set your goals just shy of ridiculously easy. So we all know that exercise is good for us. We hear it all the time. And that's a great way to engage in self care. But if you're starting from zero, you know, setting the expectation that you do 30 minutes a day five times a week right away is not going to work very well. Mm -hmm. And like you said, you might end up feeling worse about yourself. So, like, do five minutes do 10 minutes.
0: I love that. Ridiculously easy is so much more realistic than going for leaps and bounds right away. I remember when I was struggling with depression the most, I tried to go for leaps and bounds. And I tried to follow these very oversimplified mental health routines that I saw on social media. Mm -hmm. And when I was unable to do them due to my lack of motivation from depression, I found myself wondering, what is wrong with me? Do you think that potentially these unrealistic self-care routines could actually make somebody's mental health struggle worse? And when they're unable to make leaps and bounds and they're lacking motivation, it could actually harm their mental health as a whole?
1: Absolutely. Thank you so much for bringing this up. I do want to go on record. I think that there's so much benefit to be had from social media, but there are some definite downsides. And one of them is in regard to mental health. One of the things that runs rampant on social media are social comparisons, right? You even said yourself, you would look and see people posting about like, oh, I'm doing this for self-care. Oh, I'm doing that for self-care. But you didn't feel like you could engage in those ways, right? And you started comparing yourself to other people. And thinking like, what am I doing wrong? Or I, I just, you know, I'm I'm really hopeless, right? Because I can't even do some of the stuff that they're talking about. And that social comparison piece can be really, really tricky. And unfortunately, can reinforce some of the patterns of depression and anxiety and things like that. Depression's kind of a, if I may speak frankly, depression's kind of a butthead. And depression can make us feel really bad about ourselves. It can take a perfectly lovely, high-functioning, intelligent person and make them feel really, really crappy about themselves. And unfortunately, on social media with our doom scrolling and stuff like that, we can just keep going and going and going and doing these social comparisons and getting more and more lost. I'm so glad you're doing this podcast and asking me some of these questions so that we can start some conversations or continue some conversations about what real, realistic, personalized self-care might need to look like for folks. folks.
0: You said something there that I think is so true and I highly relate to. You said that depression can change the way that we talk to ourselves or treat ourselves. I believe that self-talk is critical to self-care. The way that you talk to yourself and treat yourself and view yourself is crucial in order for you to pursue your self-care journey. However, I think a lot of us struggle with positive self-talk, with being kind to ourselves. What do you think are the most harmful stories that we tell ourselves about our mental health?
1: Another excellent question. There are probably any number of negative stories that we can tell ourselves, but a lot of times they boil down to like two really big ones. And so one of them would be, I'm not good enough, or I'm just not enough, right? And I think you even said that sometimes you have felt that. The other big one that I think a lot of our negative stories can boil down into is, I'm doing this to myself. Or, you know, another way to think of that is something is wrong with me. First of all, like who wants to feel depressed? Who wants to have panic attacks? Who wants to have a trauma response? So we're not really doing these things to ourselves, but we can get so lost in all of those sorts of feelings and really intense emotions and thoughts that we can kind of believe that we've gotten ourselves in this boat, right? And we're doing it to ourselves. One thing I talk a lot about in terms of self-care is let's start with self-compassion. And so self-compassion is kind of the antidote to some of those negative stories. And it's really hard for most of us to engage in self-compassion because we don't really learn it much. And so self-compassion is the idea of being able to be with ourselves in a mindful, non-judgmental way, be kind, be respectful, offer ourselves support. There's actually now a ton of research on this that really is supportive of when we teach people how to be compassionate with themselves, it can help people overcome things like mental illness, depression, trauma, addiction, things like that. It's just really, really challenging to do. It's like a skill. It's like if you've never played tennis before and you want to pick up the tennis racket, you're going to feel really clumsy at first and wonder what you're doing.
0: That's really interesting. A lot of those things that you were saying about practicing compassion for yourself, those are all things I've heard that we should practice with other people, respect others, listen to others, treat them with kindness. But honestly, I rarely have heard that about myself. And that was kind of eye-opening, honestly, because you were you were saying those and I'm thinking, yeah, I've heard this before, but I've never heard it about me. And that's so interesting that our society and our culture and the way we almost view self-compassion as maybe selfish and something to be avoided when in reality it's necessary for our mental health.
1: Absolutely. And you just hit on a really common myth, honestly, about self-compassion. And that is this idea that if we're nice to ourselves, we may let ourselves get away with too much. We run the risk of getting too soft with ourselves and never getting anything done, right? And I think some of that's cultural. Again, we don't really learn how to be compassionate and nice with ourselves. And actually the research shows that the opposite is true. We are more resilient when we can be kind to ourselves, when we can support ourselves, when we can mindfully support ourselves when we're struggling and we can also motivate ourselves more effectively. So I sometimes bring up the example of if you're coaching a kid's soccer team, right? And let's say they're eight year olds and they're out practicing or at a soccer match and they're having a rough time and they're coming back on some sort of a break and you just start laying into them like, you guys are idiots out there. What the heck is going on? Like what is going on with you today? Most of us know to intuitively that that's not a good way to motivate a kid's soccer team. Or if it motivates those kids, it's going to motivate them out of fear. So for some of the wrong reasons, they may feel motivated. So we intuitively know that that's not a good way to motivate other people. And yet we still talk to ourselves that way and think that, oh, this is how I'm going to motivate myself to get things done. And it just doesn't work that way.
0: Even as you're saying this, the concept of self-compassion just sounds overwhelming and confusing to me. That's something that I honestly haven't really thought about and that I should apply to my self-care routine. However, I'm not really sure how to get started. What would be the gateway to get started on a journey of self-compassion?
1: One of the most powerful ways to get a start on practicing self-compassion is actually to practice mindfulness. So mindfulness is just the skill or the practice, if you will, of engaging with the current moment from a perspective of non-judgment and acceptance. So, for example, picking up a rock off the ground and doing a little touchstone meditation and practicing just being with the touchstone and noticing the breath and noticing what the stone, you know, the rock feels like. And when you notice judgmental thoughts or your mind wandering, Being compassionate, just bringing it back to the here and now and bringing it back to your touchstone and doing that little touchstone meditation, doing some breath meditation, doing some centering prayer, like things that remind us to be in the moment and to be in the moment in a specific sort of way. And again, an an accepting, non-judgmental way. I think that's an excellent place to start and a really good place to build on moving forward with self-compassion.
0: It sounds like a lot of this negative self-talk can come from a place of anxiety or self-doubt. Being able to center and live in the moment seems like a great way to practice more self-compassion. One thing I learned in therapy, I was in therapy for about two and a half years, was to pretend that I was a fly on the wall watching myself. By practicing this and visualizing that I was just a fly on the wall, I'm able to disengage my emotional connection to a situation and identify when I'm practicing negative self-talk or when somebody is mistreating me. This makes me less judgmental and far kinder to myself. I think by centering yourself and being able to view your self-talk from a different perspective like this, we can practice more self-compassion and ultimately more self-care.
1: Thank you for sharing that example from your own therapy. First of all, thank you for sharing that you have done your own therapy. I have as well. And I actually may borrow that exercise. I really like it. I've never thought about encouraging mindfulness from the perspective of a fly. But what I like about it so much is when we're talking about depression or just really low self-esteem or anxiety or things like that, it robs us of perspective and we can get lost in some of these negative filtered thoughts. And so that exercise of you being in the fly on the wall just really helped give your mind a little tool, like it created a little wiggle room to see things from a different perspective. And that's kind of what I'm talking about. That allows for some other sorts of things to come in than just all of those negative stories we've been telling ourselves.
0: It seems clear that self-compassion is the first and best step in a journey of self-care. However, to somebody who is confused about how to take care of their mental health, what is the best action that they could start doing tomorrow in order to start on their journey to improve their mental health?
1: I'm not sure that there's one best action, so I'm going to maybe list a few. And the reason I don't think there's maybe one best action or one place to start is, again, just everybody's a little bit different. So I'm obviously super biased about therapy, so I think that that can be a great place to start, but it's not the only place to start. In terms of self-compassion, there's a lot of apps out there now for meditation and things like that. So there's some lovely guided meditations out there that might help someone learn how to practice self-compassion or just meditate and how to practice being with your thoughts and feelings and engaging with them in a different way. There's lots of great self-help books. There's online support groups. There's some lovely podcasts on mental health, wink, wink, nudge, nudge. There's even some mental health apps out there. So there's all kinds of ways to get started. And like I said to you a few minutes ago, pick the one that you think you are most likely to do and start there and maybe make the initial tasks just shy of ridiculously easy, right? So text a friend and ask if they've read any good self-help books. Find one therapist's name and call their office to see if they're taking new clients or patients. Allow yourself to start small and that's okay.
0: Wow, and that sounds like a great place to wrap up this topic. Dr. Jen, thank you so much for joining me and bringing a professional perspective to this podcast today.
1: Thank you so much for the invitation. It's been an honor and I've really enjoyed my time with you, Ethan.
0: To anybody listening, please remember, you deserve self-compassion. You deserve self-care. You deserve to be gentler to yourself and you deserve to start ridiculously easy on your mental health journey. I think that wraps it up for today's episode. Thank you for listening. And a big thank you to Dr. Jen Hartman for joining us and giving us a unique professional perspective on the topic of self-care. It truly means a lot to me that she was able to join me on the conversation of mental health and share some incredible information that hopefully you will apply to your own life. She'll be joining us next week as well to continue the conversation on mental health. If you need any help feeling your feelings, go check out my music, Ethan Jewel, on all platforms. And I almost guarantee it'll make you cry. Also, please DM me on my Instagram at jewelboy underscore and let me know what you thought about today's episode. So thank you so much for tuning in. Thank you for being here. And as always, thank you for feeling your feelings. I'll see you next time.